What's up and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. This is your host, Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for joining us. This episode is powered by Stick and Ball TV, the baseball and softball streaming platform. If you haven't already, check it out at Stick and Ball TV because there are literally hundreds of videos and so much great content just waiting to help you get better. Check it out at stickandball.tv or on the Stick and Ball TV mobile app. On today's show, we have on John Carter, head baseball coach at Round Rock High School in Round Rock, Texas. John is a graduate of Round Rock High School and attended Round Rock schools growing up. Upon graduation from high school, John attended Texas Tech, where he played both football and baseball. And after his playing days ended, he remained at Tech as a graduate assistant from 1992 to 1994. He returned to Round Rock in 1995 and coached multiple sports, including softball, soccer, football, and baseball. So on the show, we talk three C's, culture, competition, and core values. I also learned that in 2017, when John was named Texas High School Baseball Coach of the Year, it came after a year of graduating seven Division I players. You're gonna get a lot out of this episode with John Carter. John, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for having me. I'm really honored to be here, and I'm excited to, to have this conversation with you. Definitely, definitely. Well, I want to go ahead and and skip back to a few years ago, uh, we could say, so whenever you started the job at Round Rock, and, and just thinking back, okay, so you get the job, you get hired, you go through the interview process, and so I, I love this question because you know, I, I envision myself being a head coach someday and, and that I have a lot of guys that have come on, but I don't think a lot of people talk about like what day one looks like. We talk about the interview process and we talk about, you know, preparing for that, but then it's like, okay, you just got hired. Now what? So if you could take us back to <laughs> kind of just question. the vision that you had and and then some of your first steps, what were they? Like, just walk us through a little bit of what, what that first, you know, couple of weeks and then your vision going forward looked like from there. Well, I'll be honest with you. Um, I got hired in, in 2003, we went to the state's finals and got beat. I had a uh, couple draft picks on that, on that team. Um, we got beat in the, uh, state tournament at the final game, uh, by who beat us? Um, oh, Carpenter down at, um, he's at, he was retired now, but, uh, I was the assistant coach. Mm, I was the JV coach. Yeah. Now he wasn't at prosper at the time. He was at Fort Ben Elkins. That's where it was. And, uh, you know, they, okay. they, they beat us. They, John Danks, who's, you know, number eight pick in the draft that year, um, was pitching for us and he threw 74% strikes in that game. And they just, they beat us. Uh, you got to tip your hat when, and that's the way the game goes. But, Coach Layerhands, our head coach, told us after that game that he was retiring and that he was going to support me taking over because his assistant, his first assistant, Coach Richardson, was also retiring at the same time. They're going out together. They coached 20-something years together. And uh, so I applied, I interviewed, and I got the job. And then, like you said, you say, oh, no, what's next? Uh, I really felt like that our program was in a good sp- good spot. I felt like that Coach Langerhands had – you know, he was my coach in high school. He had mentored me. He he shown me the, how to to get to that point. From I, I coached under him from '94 to to 2003, 
And so when I took over, I wanted to kind of keep the Dragon pride and program going in the, in the same direction he had it with some changes and, and, you know, adjustments due to the new mentalities and things that kids had. So I really had a good foundation in place. I had a good mentor in place. Uh, I took a lot of the things that he and I sat down and discussed quite a few things. And um, I looked at some things outside of the box that he hadn't necessarily implemented, uh, particularly like the mental game. And uh, so I just kind of dove in uh, head first and started using some of the stuff that uh, most of the stuff that we do, I, he taught me. And uh, but there was, you know, as time changes, so should you, so should we, excuse me. And so that's what I started doing. I started looking at ways to take us to another level to uh, to help our kids be as successful as they can be. And the first thing I did was the mental game. I thought I felt like the mental game was a big piece of it. I started reading into Brian Kane. I listened to some of his stuff he's doing. I, I went and visited with him um, and was able to, the, to establish our core values and things of that nature. And um, it was a it was a challenge, that's for sure. Learning how to, to manage parents, how to manage students, how to manage time, um, how to manage more than one team. All those things became a challenge for me, and um, I just took it one step at a time. By the grace of God, I was able to to get to where I am today. I love hearing that, and and I love I love that that you were able to just add layers to something that was already really good and something that you were already familiar with, which is I think a really cool aspect of of what you've been able to do. And so, you guys have been very successful up to up to this point too, and and you're you're getting ready for another successful uh, state tournament run, hopefully. And so I, I did want to ask you, tell us a little bit more about uh, your core values, how you developed those, and then uh, tell us what they are. You know, I, um, I was kind of all over the place for a while. And I sat down with our, my principal one night or one afternoon. Um, Philip Warwick was our principal at the time. He, was, he and I sat down and he was an old coach. And he said, you know, what, what, what's your mission? What's your goal? What's your vision? And he made me reflect on a lot of things that I, I really hadn't put down on paper. And I felt like that I needed to, to make it. And like Brian Kane says, uh, you got to make it seen, noticed. People, it's got to be everywhere you are. And so that year, um, I, I can't remember what exactly. I think it was 2006 or seven that I started doing this. And I uh, finally, you know, I got my core values and I said, these are the things I want to do. And then I thought I started doing some more research and I said, it can't be something I want. It has to be something the kids want. And so uh, I started the, the season that year. We went and sat in our, uh, what we call the dragon's lair. It's like our study hall room. And we were in there for like four hours. And I said, you know, what are we going to be about? And I, I kind of did what Brian Kane and several of the other sports psychologists do. And what, what is us? What are people going to see when they see us? And we developed, we took probably a hundred different words that we had on the dry erase board and narrowed them down to five. And our core values are what they are. and They continue to be what they are today. And the first one is accountability. The second one is brotherhood. The third one is character. The fourth, the fourth one is grit. And the last one is passion. And we, we have those five core values written everywhere in our program. They're on our lineup cards. They're on our, the wall of our locker room in big giant letters. I mean, uh, it, they're everywhere. And that's the first thing when we talk, uh, when our, we make our teams in the spring, that's the first thing we talk about. 
We are going to show these in the classroom. We're going to show them on the field. We're going to show them in the community. We're going to show them at home. Everything we do need to be about this. And if they're not, then we got to, to get something fixed uh, within our program because that's what we that's what we want everyone to know us for is to, to be able to follow those five core values. I really like that a lot, actually. And I, I think, you know, I I've been guilty of this, too. And I and you see this a lot of the, you know, the signs on the wall and you ask some of the kids about it and they're like, yeah, I, I don't I didn't even know that was up there. And so I, I think that, that that's really cool that you guys are driving home. And so I I want to really, you know, double down on this a little bit. How do you how do you teach that consistently? Because I think that that's something that's missing. You know, we go over it once and for and we've spent a lot of time on it like you said you you spent four hours trying to really distill down what's truly important to you and your staff and your program and your school but how do you how do you do it and and this has been a while so you've gotten the the opportunity to to do this for several years how have you felt that you've been able to improve on these things as far as just teaching making sure they know it consistently hitting these and then just c- give us any advice that you've got as far as if we want to do something similar what are some things that you learned along the way well i would say one of the big things i've learned is kids um like you say kind of look past it sometimes and you've got to bring it back to their attention uh accountability is a big piece uh, obviously, it's our first word on our list uh, and holding them accountable. What I try to do is every year I try at the beginning of the season, we try to have a, another little sit down session. And what does that look like to us? And, and, and we divide them into groups. We make them sit down in small groups and, and discuss it. Um, what does what are we going to what are, when people come to the field? What are they going to see what, that uh, for in terms of accountability? Uh, in terms of brotherhood, in terms of grit, uh, you know, you know, they'll write down grit, playing with dirt, dirty uniforms, showing that we're willing to, to, to get down and dirty and do what we have to do in order to, to make plays and, and, and be successful for the team. Uh, with the, the time of COVID, it's been a big deal because, you know, we, did, we weren't able to get on the field from September uh, 1st till October 20th. So we were in nothing but virtual for that entire time. And I put a big impact. We met every day. And I think we're the only one of the only school uh, baseball uh, programs that met every day that's in our district. Uh, we met every day for at least an hour a day virtually. And one day we spent a whole day on accountability. And we talked about it. What does it look like? How do we hold each other accountable? How do I, you hold me accountable? The players hold the coaches accountable. How do the coaches hold each other accountable? You know, just every aspect we could. So that was a big blessing, even though COVID has been a a uh, hardship on a lot of people. It was a blessing for us to be able to use that time to develop those things to help our kids understand where we're trying to go. And, you know, it like you said, it's a daily, it, we have to do daily reminders. Or sometimes we say, hey, what does that word say on the bottom? Well, look at the, the the workout today. And what does that, that second word on the bottom of the uh, of the workout say? And they'll come back, brotherhood. Are you showing your brotherhood to your, your, your buddy right there by calling, talking trash to him and whatever? So uh, just little things like that, having it places where they you can point to it and say, this is what they are. This is what we need you to do has been very helpful. The hardest piece in what I'm learning now is every year is a new group. 
because you got a new set of freshmen coming in, your leadership changes. And so teaching those kids that are turning into your leaders, uh, new, new, new leaders and the new group of kids coming in that don't know anything that's going on is how to get them both on the same page, teaching each other. Uh, that's what makes my job easier when I can get those new, those kids that have been in the program to teach those new kids. This is what we're about when they can take ownership in that. That's what makes the whole thing work. No, once, once they've owned it, I, that's when you win. I, I love hearing that. And I think that, that, uh, I, I want to drive, I just drive that point home a little bit, even, even more than you had, than you just did, which I think is really, really good. So w- within that, so you've got these, these core covenants or core values that you mentioned, you could also call them standards, I guess. Yep. Uh, now with, within that, do you have any program rules? Like, uh, I don't, I don't know, maybe these, if you aren't adhering to what we would call these core values, then there are consequences or do you have like, what are program rules? Anything that you want to go over with that? I guess one of the things we, the, the big one is, and you've, I've heard this on several from several other people. Don't, do something that would jeopardize our program or yourself. I tell them all the time. I tell my kids this constantly. Don't make a two-minute decision affect the rest of your season. Don't go out and do something that in two minutes of time, you realize, you make this decision, and then all of a sudden it comes back to haunt you 24 hours later, and it costs you the rest of your season. Not only you, but your teammates. And I've heard Pat Murphy talks about Mudita, the joy of other people's success. We've have that, have that on one of our shirts. Uh, I believe in it. Um, I believe that those standards, if we can just hold the, uphold the standard of do what's right, do the, if your mom and dad were standing next to you, would you do it? Then don't do it. If they were, I mean, if you would do it in front of them, then okay, then go, go about your business. Make, be smart, make wise choices. Uh, there's that. lots of other rules you could put in there, but I really don't want to have a whole bunch of written rules down because then you micromanage things and mm-hmm. they have to have some accountability in there and some ownership. No, I love that. And so I, I leads me to my next question too, because you talked about you want the culture to really come from the top down and, but also from the, the bottom up. And so you're having those small groups and you're having the older kids teaching the younger kids. And then especially with, with COVID and the, and the Zoom calls that, that you guys, I think we've all feel like we've been living on. But tell us a little bit about how about how you how you help with team cohesion and making sure that it's not like segregated with upperclassmen and, and lowerclassmen and then freshmen just kind of get everything else. Or you know, you you've done this for a while, and so you've gotten to see the different dynamics with with all kinds of different teams and, and different players and different grades. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on on how we can do a better job of making it, you know, one team together. Uh, but what are some different ways that you do that? i tell you what, that's a great question. And I, I, uh, I'm glad you asked it because first week of we get back from school and this year was different because we had to do it virtually uh, for a little while. And then what we did, even though we were able to get back on the field, I took, I still took the time to do this. And I, th- I really believe it's, it's powerful. Um, the first week of school on a normal school year, the first week of school, we're doing paperwork and setting lockers and things of that nature. What I've, I put some ownership on them and say, Hey, this has to be done by this time, this day. You may, basically, I give them two days, excuse me. Um, and then we have what we call 
uh, field time. And I don't know if field time is the best what the word. I, it's just the word I use. But what I do is I make a seat them all find someone they don't know. Pick someone. Seniors get with a sophomore or a junior. Junior get with a junior. Or, I mean, a sophomore or a senior. And go find somebody you don't know. And you're going to spend 10 minutes just walking around the field, talking, getting to know each other, learn about each other. Um, it's hard for a sophomore. We don't allow freshmen in our, our athletic period just because there's there would be too many of them. Uh, but we have sophomores through seniors, and they really don't know each other, like you said. And and so what I do is I make them go learn about each other. Go find out what you like to do. Who's your, What about your family? Where are you from? What's your favorite ice cream? What's your favorite movie? Do you have a girlfriend? You know, just get to know them on a personal level because when you get developed, start developing those relationships, those personal relationships, kids start to feel better about being able to communicate with one another. And so a sophomore now is willing to call, call a, a, a junior or a senior out because he knows him. When he doesn't know him, he thinks like, you know, I'm, I'm the lower end of the totem pole. And so I can't, I can't say anything, but once he has developed that relationship, um, he's able to do that. And it's been outstanding for us, especially this, this off season. I've had lots of kids, especially some sophomore kids that will, are not afraid to call an upperclassman out. And that helps with the whole cohesion and it de- 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 develops that rep, the, that cohesion between uh, classes, teammates, etc. And in 2000 and what was that? 2016 or 15, I had seven division one or college players that went off to play at the next level. Um, all seven of them ended up at division one schools. Um, that team got beaten the second round of the playoffs in 2017. The, those kids did a, is really when we really started getting doing this field time is when we started really pushing it. And those kids developed those relationships. We had zero kids that signed Division One scholarships. They had a couple of junior colleges, small schools here and there. That team got to the state finals. Uh, the t- the team cohesion that we developed because of that was unbelievable. And I had some of those kids from the previous year come back and say, "I wish we would have had that uh, better relationships with each other." And I think we would have played better for each other. So there's a big a big uh, thing in that piece. Oh, for sure. And I think another, another step that a lot of coaches are taking to do that is like forming teams and having different competitions within that, because, you know, regardless of how much you love your buddies, you always want to beat them no matter who you're with. Yeah. And so you, you talked about wanting to talk about competition. So can you kind of empty your pockets on what you guys do? Yeah. I, I, before we do, can let me throw one more thing at you on that. Sure. Uh, of course. The uh, team culture. We do, um, I got this from Dabo Sweeney. We do what we call the safe seat. You may have, you probably heard of it where we go into a room and we, each person gets in the seat and it, whatever's talked about in the room stays in the room. And, um, it's been very powerful. That's another piece of, that we use to, to really help us build relationships. Uh, I've cried in the room. I, I won't, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, my tears coming down my face, crying, listening to my players talk about their families and their, their, their fights that they have going on in their lives and myself, just some, some personal things that I've had to share that have become very powerful. And uh, your, your players want you to, you hear all the time. They need to know that you love them before they're going to play for you. 
Um, they also want to know that you're human and that you have a soft side and you can, you're not willing, I mean, you're not afraid to share those emotions with them. And it becomes very powerful. Uh, you Oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Sheets talks about uh, heroes, heartaches, um, highlight. Uh, we kind of throw those in there, but we also do it, uh, you know, with, have some fun ones in there too. You know, do you like blondes or brunettes? You know, uh, just fun things, but it, it, it helps loosen it up and it helps develop those that, chem, that team chemistry. So I just wanted to share that piece as well. I hope that's okay. No, that's great. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Uh, but yeah, competitions, what do you got? On okay. That? Well, uh, I got a lot. We, we do competitions every day, uh, of some sort, uh, coach Tom Collins. He used to be the president of the baseball, Texas high school baseball coaches association was my crosstown rival at Stony point high school. And he and I, um, have developed a great relationship since I became the head coach. And, uh, we talk, we used to talk just about every day, about different things and shared ideas. And we actually have started to write a, a, a book of different kinds of competitions. We've stolen a lot. We've stolen some, but we've also created some. We actually wrote an article that was written, that was published in the um, ABCA inside pitch magazine called live action. And it's a game that we developed that promotes live action. It promotes action on the field. Uh, we try to do this at least once a week, or if we need some kind of scrimmage situation where we need to get work, we can get work uh, by pressing the envelope. Uh, there's a full article published on it, but we basically what it is is um, you play the game. You play with each inning has four outs, which is I know it's different. You got to think outside of the box a little bit. Player steps into the box with a two-one count on him, puts pressure on the pitcher to have to the throw strikes allows the hitter to be aggressive in the count. Um, you can steal a base at any time. If you get thrown out, you return to the base you came from and the out doesn't count, but you can't steal again without it counting. So it doesn't count against, uh, against the outs, but it promotes runners to run. It makes pitchers have to learn how to hold runners. Catchers have to throw. Um, hitters can hit, hit in uh, running situations those kind of things. And, and we'll play that game um, all the time. And I'm happy to share with anyone that wants the, how the uh, game works. I've got it all written down in a, uh, in a document that I'm happy to share with anybody that would like it. It has been a game changer in terms of our kids learning how to, to pound the strike zone when they're behind in the count. Uh, it teaches you as coaches who can do that and who can't. And you'll learn Real fast, we actually, uh, until this year, until this fall, we've played the last three falls. We've played this game once a week with other schools. Um, and, and it's not just play 10 innings. It's We, we divide it into two, two, three inning, uh, three three-inning games. So we'll play nine innings, but it's three innings, clear the scoreboard, start over. So it's like a three-game series, and you're trying to win the series every time. Uh, it's been very good for us. I love that. And I'm sure you'll have a, a ton of emails coming to you uh, for the, for the live action game, but um, anything else before we, we move on to the next thing? Cause I think that one, that one was fantastic, but I want to give you an opportunity. No, I got one more, more one got. more. We started, we started doing this this year. Actually, I got it from Skip Johnson at Oklahoma. Uh, we call it lightning BP. And um, 
you know, with with the era of launch angle and all this uh, talk, lifting the ball, um, it's we're, we're trying to get kids to hit line drives and, and and you know reverse the spin of a baseball 180 degrees without trying to lift it. We saw a lot of fly ball outs early on in our tryouts in our first scrimmage, and so my assistant and I said, "Let's try it." And what it is basically, you you got three or four guys uh, in a group. And you're going to get six minutes, six to seven minutes of, of BP. Uh, we use a, a machine. So it's going to, they're going to get consistent pitching with some velocity. And your job is to hit a power ground ball or a line drive. If you hit the ball in the air, get out of the cage. And, you know, first kid will step in, hits first pitch, hits fly ball to center, get out. Next guy gets in, another fly ball. And about the third time through, they started realizing, hey, I'm not going to get many cuts in here if I don't start doing what I'm asked to do. And we've done it three times. And the second and third time, the difference from when we first did it to the second and third time has been phenomenal. Uh, our quality at bats in our three, in our two scrimmages that we've had so far, our, our quality at bats, hard hit balls have been like 62% in, uh, in, in, the, in each of the three scrimmages. Kids are hitting line drives. We're not flying out. We're, you know, getting power ground balls. We're moving runners up when when we need to, and it's been very good. So I, I would say that's another competition. It's it's more of an interpersonal competition than it is a team competition, but it forces those kids to hit hit the ball the way you want them to. Cool. I love that. So with uh, with <laughs> when we talk about culture building, you know, obviously when we as high school coaches. Uh, we have uh, an extra layer of culture that we have to be included in that's parents. And so I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, and this is, a, I, I, let me, let me rewind just a minute. So you've been there since 1995 and I, you know, that that's when I was growing up. I remember my parents not being all that involved in what I was doing at school and almost every coach that I've talked to has been like, yeah, the last 10 years, it's really been a transition of parent involvement. And regardless of if that's a good or bad thing, you one could argue one way or another, but you've gotten sure. to see that transition too. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on just really what you found as, as a good balance of, you know, helping parents to be involved with the program and some different things that you guys have been doing. Well, you know, our booster club is a big piece of it. Um, I, we, we rely heavily on our booster club for fundraising and for uh, helping with, um, you know, playoff stuff, maybe meals, uh, concession stands, uh, work days on the field. So we, ha- you have to develop a relationship with the parents. Uh, our booster club does a f- phenomenal job in all areas. And, um, you're right. It is a different realm than when I was growing up. My dad didn't ever get involved in what I was doing. He said, you got to go out and work- earn everything you-, you get, go out and, uh, we didn't have select or select ball or travel ball. Uh, so it's a different different mentality that we're in, and with social media, um, the kids I tell them all the time, you're, you're too used to getting instant gratification. In order to to reach your goals, you're going to have to grind it out sometimes. But getting the parents uh, on board and understanding, hey, we need you. We need uh, everything you can get bring to us is going to be powerful to our program. But while at the same time, uh, have them understand. Uh, we're still going to hold your kids accountable with the mentality that the realm they're growing up with is instant gratification. 
uh, their cell phones, it's hard for them to learn that sometimes. And sometimes you just got to tell the parents, hey, uh, your kid, and this is one of the things I use, your kid is old enough to be in charge of a deadly weapon. They're able to get behind the wheel of a car and drive. That's a deadly weapon. And sometimes you're just going to have to let them fail. You're going to have to let them um, be held accountable for their actions, Have not, not uh, feed everything with a silver spoon. And that's what I tell them. I tell the parents that. I said, is, I want you to know that I'm here to help you raise your child as much as telling, teach them the game of baseball. When they come back, I want them to come back as hey, as good fathers, sons, and, and so forth. And I want them to be able to say, thanks, coach, for all that you did. And I'm sorry I was a knucklehead at times. Uh, the parents are pretty much on board with that. And so it's been good. Oh, that's awesome. So with with uh, with the time that we're recording this at the end of February, we're you're getting right into the season. I guess we're transitioning. You're transitioning from scrimmages to preseason, and so you know over your years, uh, you're transitioning from off season to preseason, and then from preseason to the end season. Let's just let's just kind of walk through those, and let's start with so you go through off season skill development, you go through all of that. And then you transition into preseason and then into in season. What are some different ways that you found to really be efficient or you want to make sure that you have in before the season starts or just anything in regards to just we by the time that we get to game one, we have these these boxes checked. We have this thing, these things done and just kind of walk us through your thought process. Well, we start off the the year with we want to see what they've how they've progressed over the summer. So we will start on the field for a while. And then October 1st, we put the ball down. Uh, we don't pick it up for six weeks. We, I'm a firm believer that kids play too much. They throw too much. They get dead arm. Uh, there's times that they just need to set the ball down and not do anything. And so we will uh, take that time to work on skill skills. Like you said, um, We'll do lots of strengthening. We'll be in the weight room uh, three to four times a week. We'll be on the uh, on the track or on the field running, trying to work speed and, and strength and uh, athletic ability. Uh, I've become a big believer in um, in mobility, foam rolling, things of that nature, to try and teach the kids how to to make their bodies function uh, better. We have a former player of mine. It's a chiropractor that kind of kind of came in and did some stuff with us to, to show the kids how to do things correctly to help them move better. Uh, once Thanksgiving comes around, then we go back to picking the ball back up and we start our, our arm development and we put a big emphasis on hitting and uh, arm development at that point. We're not throwing bullpens. We're not doing anything of that nature. We're long tossing, following a, a, a stringent uh, throwing program that it's out there on the internet. Alan Yeager has it out there and there's several other ones out there. Uh, we've kind of put it together to fit our calendar and we have our give each kid gets a copy of it and they follow it. At the same time we we've got involved in the blast motion stuff. And we bought, uh, those blast sensors for a lot of our kids for, I think we have 50 of them. Our, we, our booster club invested quite a bit of money into doing that. And, now those kids are doing nothing but working on their hitting and skill sets and trying to make sure we're fixing indeficiencies in our swings and making them our swing patterns work better. Once we get back from the holidays, 
Now we're full bore bullpens. Our focus is all working on getting our pitchers ready. So when we get to the tryout period and the, the scrimmages, we're ready to start throwing competitively versus live hitters. And our, our pitchers are able to develop, develop their stamina and uh, be able to go, you know, certain pitch counts and, and see where we are in that realm. So that's kind of how our phases are, are, are phased into it. And then we go into our regular season they're using the, the uh, scrimmages and so forth to kind of see where we're at. Well, that's awesome. And so, again, you, you've been, a, I guess, a head coach now for 15-plus years. And I, I think that, that it really is a, a balance and, and trying to find what your team needs in season to really work on because you want to balance how much time we're spending – on your individual development, your team development, how much energy we're expending versus how we're going to go into the next game. And so for young coaches who are going through that, this may be their first year, what would your advice be for them as far as in season, trying to feel their way through how to, I guess, how to, how to plan out a season or as the season progresses, you do more of this or less of this and just kind of what are some different tips that you have for or just even things that you've learned along the way as uh, uh, that go along the lines of that? <clears throat> do a little bit a lot. We, um, we try to we have a list of things that we try to do, touch on every week. We try to in our, from our catch play to our bunt coverages to our first and third offense and defense. We try to do a little bit a lot to make it where, and I have a list of things that we're going to cover each week, and we try to uh, just each day when we're planning our practices, uh, we try to, to cover those things as often as possible. That's the biggest, the best answer I can give you. Uh, you also mentioned that base running is a is a really a, a large area that you guys try and take advantage of, and, and you feel really comfortable with like teaching that aspect of it. You really enjoy that. So to walk us through what you guys do for base running, how you teach it. And just, uh, we'll just kind of go from there. Well, every practice starts with, with base running. We'll go through our, our, uh, team discussion or some people call it classroom time. We don't go inside. We just do it outside around the field. And then we go from there to dynamic warm up, and then straight into base running. And it varies from day to day. Uh, one day we may be working dirt ball reads at first base. Uh, another day we may be just working on on our uh, jumps at first base, varying them from a, a momentum lead to a normal lead to a um, leave early, a delayed, or something of that nature. We're going to work all those things um, on that day. Next day we may do what we call four-corner base running. We'll uh, have a hit and run at the plate. We'll have a hit and run, a straight steal at first base a read the ball off the bat at third base and a read the ball off the bat at, at, at uh, second base. So we're, we're, we just constantly are doing different base running skills and we're doing them from about 10 to 15 minutes every day. And from there we'll, uh, we transition into our throwing program and go to, into practice. Now we'll also do base running during BP at times, but uh, the primary focus is when we're, we want them to understand that base running is a valuable piece of what we do. And so we put a tremendous emphasis emphasis on it at the front end of practice. Uh, and you know what? We don't have to condition it because we're working on it every day. No, that's really good. And and again, with like you mentioned, you putting it at the very front of practice is just telling them, hey, this is this is not something that we're doing for conditioning. This is something that we're going to do to exploit defenses and to right. help us score more runs. 
and win more games. And, and I, I really, really like that. So I do have a couple of lightning style questions for you before you go, just to, for us okay. to learn a little bit more about you. What is something that you've learned lately that you're really excited about? Uh, I'm learning. I've been doing this program called it's by um, Brett. What's his last name? Um, gosh, I can see his face. Anyway, it's called win the moment. I, I, uh, just learning about how, teaching kids how to, to be in the moment, uh, how to, uh, to handle failure when the stuff hits the fan, how to get back in the present moment, just a lot of the mental game. Um, and I guess the other piece that I'm really interested in is, is continuing to, to develop areas of our offense in terms of, um, different types of, of first and third offense, second and third offense, those kind of things, understanding the, the teaching the kids the rules of the game and how they can be used to to help them in those situations. Love that. So you've you've been a head coach for well you've been at Round Rock since 1995 and you've been a head coach for 15 plus years. I'm sure this you could say a lot of things about this one, but and it's kind of a tough one. But what's something that you've changed your mind about? So it could be something that the first couple of years you really thought this and then lately you found more evidence of then like, Oh, okay. Maybe I was thinking about that differently or just could be something very simple that you're like, yeah, I was wrong in this or that, but I, I'm, I'm really interested to hear your, your, hear your thought process behind this. Well, they say in the classroom that you can only attention span of the kid is, is his age. Uh, and I've come to realize that the longer we do practice, isn't the better for us. Uh, so we've started to do one of the things I, I look back and I've changed my mind about is we're trying to be quick and concise in the things we do in practice. We're not going to stay on them long. We're going to do a little bit a lot, like I've said. Uh, we're going to try and you know spend five minutes and go to the next thing uh, because you'll lose them. Uh, and practices drag out to five, you know two 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 and a half three hours. You're not getting anything accomplished at that point. So we try to be very concise and we intermix music and other things into our practice to help with the the energy level and it it's been very very efficient for us how so taking off the script how hard of that was a was that of a of a pill to swallow for you because i i know i'm really good at adding things onto practice but i'm really really it's hard for me to I guess, take my, take my hands off of the reins a little bit and saying, you know what, doing this a little bit, a lot is, is going to be better than doing it for a long time. Yeah, it's been very, it was something I had to, to really learn and kind of bite my tongue on at times. Uh, I wanted to, you know, go longer and at, at times I've come to realize it's not longer is not better. Um, it's been definitely something I had to grow up, grow up into for sure. That was really good to hear. So the next question is, what is a drill that your players love that we can steal from you? It's a drill we call chaos. It's actually a competition. Um, it's a timed game that we play. Uh, we divide into three teams. Uh, we do this during our off season. And during, if, we, if we're just the varsity, we'll only have two teams. But it's a off the machine, three minutes, score as many runs as you can. Uh, double plays count for points for the defense. Wow plays count for points. Uh, it takes probably 25 to 30 minutes to do. They're going to play four rounds, and when they're finished, they're drenched, but happy as can be. 
they're soaking wet from from running and, and competing, but they love it. They absolutely love it. Oh, really good. And then finally, I know that, you know, that's how we got in touch is, you know, you listen to the podcast and you, yep. uh, you're obviously a learner and, and you love growing. You talked about sheets. So you obviously listen to the, uh, to his too, which is great, but what is just one book or resource in general that if you could buy or purchase for every listener, what would that be? Um, there's two books that I really love. One is called the culture code by Daniel Coyle. Uh, he has another one called the talent code. I really like both of those books. Uh, those played a big impact on me, but Gary Gilmore spoke at the, uh, Texas high school baseball coaches association clinic in Waco. And he mentioned this book called lead for God's sake. And that book is a game changer in my mind, uh, teaches you, um, relationships and how to, how relationships can play an impact in, in what you're doing. And I would say those, those books were the ones that, that have had a big resource and I would buy it for, for other people. Oh, I love that. Well, John, I, I appreciate your your time today, and and I again, I, I appreciate our friendship. And and uh, it, ever since you reached out a couple of years ago, you've always been somebody that I've looked forward to every time I, I get a text from you. And so, I really do appreciate that. Uh, I will link your contact info down in the show notes if anyone wants to get in touch with you. But I did want to take a just a couple of moments to uh, tell you that, but also to leave the mic open for you. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners before you go? You know, uh, first and foremost, thank you for the opportunity to be here. Um, I agree. I'm the same way. When I get a text from you, it's uh, I'm excited to hear what you got share with me because you got some great stuff and you're you're an avid learner. You're thinking outside of the box, and I think that's the big thing I would share with with people is don't be afraid to get outside of your comfort zone. Don't be afraid to to think outside of the box. Um, I'm very blessed that I get to coach in, the, in, in Round Rock, Texas, my hometown. I graduated from Round Rock High School in 1988, played for the coach that I went back and started coaching for, and uh, I have a lot of pride in what we do here. Uh, I make a lot of mistakes. I'm not, I'll be the first to admit it, and um, we're all human, and uh, it's understanding that, that when you make mistakes, you got to be willing to, to own it and it's okay for your kids to see you own it. It's good for them. It's good for you. Um, I think that the more you can listen to these kind of things, these podcasts and read books and, and uh, Twitter and all the different social media outlets that are out there, there's a lot of things that can be shared and owned. Um, one of the things I would be conscious of, though, is make sure um, we don't as, as coaches, particularly high school coaches, uh, our job is not, it's, this isn't a business. This is a, a, uh, lifestyle and the game of baseball in other realms and college and pro is a business, but we're still here to teach coach all the kids. And sometimes we have to make hard decisions. Tryouts are, are my worst time of the year. Cause I have to cut kids that could probably play at other places. And, and it's very difficult. And I want everyone to understand it's not personal when I, when I do that, but um, just understand that even though I cut a kid, I'm still going to love on them and I'm still, they're still dragons and we're, they're still part of Round Rock High School and I still want to have a relationship with them. And, uh, it takes time sometimes, but I try to, to reach out to some of those kids that I know and, and, and continue to develop relationship with them because, um, kids develop at different, different means and some will get grow and 
catch up. And next thing you know, they're going to be your starting center fielder. Uh, so um, just the relationship piece is a big piece. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm on uh, Facebook. I'm on lots of different realms. I'm happy to to uh, share anything I have with anybody. And uh, hopefully you gain some value from what I had to talk about today. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, which can include Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or YouTube. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it on social media to help get the word out. Once again, thank you for joining us.